Welcome into the mental game, everybody, where psychology meets performance and where we are working to increase mental health and performance spaces through real conversations with performers, with athletes, with psychologists, with dance educators, and with many more. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to thank everyone who has reached out, who has shared their thoughts and words. It's greatly appreciated. And if you have enjoyed the podcast, please head over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe, leave a review, share it with a friend, share it with someone who you think might need to listen, and over on social media, let me know what you think. All right, you guys are going to love this week's episode. This week, I have on Miss Taylor Seymour. Taylor has spent her entire life on stage. She started playing the piano at just six years old and quickly transitioned to vocal performance in musical theater. Since middle school, Taylor has dealt with general anxiety and has actually learned how to turn it into positive energy on stage. Taylor graduated from Ball State University with a Bachelor of Science in Theater Creation and Vocal Performance in 2019 and was performing with theater companies from Muncie to Indianapolis to her hometown of Columbus, Indiana. After the pandemic, she found herself in management at J. Crew Factory, but more recently started working with First Form as an online coach. While not having actually stepped on stage since winter of 2019, she has cultivated her own health and fitness Facebook community called The Party People. And as someone who is a member of that Facebook community, I can tell you it is can't miss. And she has discovered this performance outlet through social media. You guys are going to take away so many incredible things from Taylor's episode. I think something that's most admirable is the vulnerability she shares because as you'll come to find out, Taylor had a bit of a rough road at the very end of her performance career. She talks a little bit about how she never actually got to step on stage as a quote-unquote professional, and you'll learn a little bit more about why and what it actually means to be a professional. Okay, so you'll hear about this and so much more, and without further ado, let's get to it. Miss Taylor Seymour. Welcome back, everybody, into the newest edition of The Mental Game. I am joined by a very special guest because I'm not going to lie. I'm going to go ahead and tell the audience how I know you. So you are dating one of my very best friends that I go a long way back with, Alex Ray. Welcome You're to the show, Miss Taylor Seymour. Thank you. I'm so excited yeah. to be honest. I told Glenn before that I had been listening to a podcast on one of my outdoor walks mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it might be fun to be a guest on a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, it's not really just thinking, just manifesting, you know, yeah. and yeah. the day is when you're like, hey, would you want to be on the podcast? Yeah. Like, yes. Yes. Well, I saw you had, you had replied to something that I posted. It was a mental health related thing. I don't exactly remember what it was at the moment, but I, so if you guys haven't checked out, what's your Instagram pro, uh, handle? So it's Tay Tay with two Y's. So it's T A Y Y T A Y Y. I should probably change it to make something it, a little more professional, but we've had it since like sixth grade. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's I've changed my Instagram around just because I was this is kind of the same thing. I was like, oh, I haven't changed, thought about this. Not relevant. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the point being, you had reached out or you had sent something on Instagram, and I follow you, of course. And if you guys haven't, you should go check out her profile because you are always posting so many positive things, so much like 
real material, real raw candid material that I think is so relevant to a day to day that I was like, wait, this is perfect because Taylor has experience in performance and theater. You've even danced, you danced, right? You've danced before. I have some background. But you're a mover. We're a good mover. I love it. I love it. But (laughs) all of these different outlets. And then you're also just, I don't know, would you like, would you call yourself an influencer? Eh, I feel like so many people now have a weird, weird tie to Mm. that word Mm. where it's like in my head, I hear the word influencer and it's like, just a little like a twinge, you know what I mean? But like, it's obviously Mm. full-time job for a lot of people and becoming more content creation content creation a lot of people are doing so I would say yes and no like I I mean if you looked at me like from the outside don't know me at all I would I guess kind of be a fitness healthy mm-hmm. lifestyle mm-hmm. influencer mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. micro influencer perhaps <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a micro one <laughs> yeah <laughs> a small a small oh. influencer oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> trying to have a small influence <laughs> yeah no, sure, sure, sure. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Forgive me. Okay, so let's take, let's go back. So for those that don't know you as well as I do, please kind of just walk me through your background and what led you to where we are now. Yeah, so I have been on stage, I feel like my whole life. I started playing piano, was my kind of gateway into performance, um, playing by ear when I was like five or six, because there was a piano in my grandpa's flower shop that he worked at in the back. So when I would go there after school, sometimes I'd be like, oh, this, let me plunk around on this. I don't know anything about music at all. But so I found that I had a good ear. We got into piano. So I don't really have a good, like, this is when I knew that I wanted to sing moment, which like, since that has been my shtick for (laughs) my entire life, I feel like I need a better, like, aha moment, yeah. <laughs> but I don't have one. It was one of those I started singing in church and then a bunch of people saying, oh, like you have a really good voice. Maybe you should try being in choir. Have you considered taking voice lessons? I was like, well, no, but maybe I should. And I saw my first show. It was Susical. So I had a really great experience with that. And then I never stopped. <laughs> I just was on stage and I dedicated my entire life to theater and singing and I went to college for it. So I went to Ball State, um, did theater creation and vocal performance. Um, I was supposed to move to New York in June of 2020 and then Little Miss pandemic happened. (laughs) So that was a big, like as, you know, terrible in a sense, there was also a lot of positive things that came out of the pandemic for me of learning about myself and learning about how happy would I have been if I would have gone down the path that I thought that I wanted. So I have not been on stage since winter of 2019. Um, found myself in retail. I work for J. Crew Factory right now. Um, then more recently started working with First Form and as an online coach. And I have my own little Facebook community called the Party People that I have kind of found a performance outlet in that I haven't used in years now which is crazy it's the longest break from the stage that I've ever had um so yeah being able to find new avenues of using all the experience and tools that I've gained through theater somewhere else so yeah wow that's awesome long-winded but (laughs) no that's what it's supposed to be 
I think what's really cool about that is you've already like, I feel like just through listening to you, I can already tell the way that you were able to see a silver lining and maybe a difficult situation. Like you pointed mm -hmm. out to me, you know, the pandemic happened. I was going to move to New York and then I didn't, but maybe you learned a lot from that situation. And, and yeah. you mentioned kind of an understanding of what it would have been like maybe. Um, and then, and then the last one that you just mentioned in terms of like, we're still able to find a community. And I mean, I, I resonate with that because now I'm not dancing anymore. I mean, I, I do Yuletide, but that's not like, you're not, a, you're not doing it full time, you know, kind of thing. Um, so still finding ways to fill that void, if you will, to kind of get that, like, I mean, you know, you're saying we, we, we've done this all of our lives. So yeah. to take it away from us is really strange. Um, but take me back to those young days. So when you started singing, which first of all, I, I don't, I think that is kind of an aha moment. Someone like so many people telling you, um, you know, you have a really good voice. Have you ever taken singing lessons? What were those early years like in terms of training? And did you have any early mentors and what did you learn from them? Yeah, I, even my parents will say I'm an only child. So that take with that, what you, it's like some people have very, hard opinions about order, <laughs> or like if you're an only child like where you stand and that shapes a lot of you and I think there is some truth to those things but being very independent and wanting to have something that was mine mm. that my parents had no part in my parents like they did sing to an extent like they had a little bit of it but nowhere near the amount of time and work put into it that I had and so it was kind of my my own thing that I got to be independent in. And it was something that I, I took ownership of that was outside of my parents. I didn't have siblings that were like, Oh, well, your brother sings. So you need to, mm -hmm. or your sister is plays this sport. So you have to. So it was nice to not have any of those precursors to mm -hmm. me that I could just kind of take what I wanted and actually explore it as early as I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, so I took voice lessons all through, I think I started in like fifth or sixth grade, just little, like I would be taken out of class. I went to a small Lutheran school. So the choir director would just take me out for like 30 minutes and have a voice lesson. If it was like, well, you're going to sing, you're going to be singing this in church. So that was how they could. Kind oh, of, I see how that worked. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. felt like every, I was singing in church, like every single weekend. So I kind of had this professional mentality very early, which served me very, very well. Um, but one of my biggest um, informers of performance and like how to conduct yourself as someone who wanted to do this professionally, um, her name is Janie Gordon. And she was my high school choir director. She was, I was actually my very first show. I was in it with her. So oh. it was Gypsy if you know the show, she was Mama Rose and I was the balloon girl who I literally was in one scene and I had a dress that had balloons pinned all over it and I had a tiara and I was just supposed to stand there and smile and I was going to be the little pageant girl in oh, this wow. little like kid, like kid circus kind of performance act thing at the beginning. And I, that was my only thing in the beginning. That was my first show. So they're like, you know, we're not giving you anything too crazy. <laughs> like, here's your role. Here you go. And I had memorized all of her lines and was saying them under my breath during rehearsal. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Yeah. 
And she had noticed and she was like, she knows all my lines. <laughs> I was like, what? And the directors had noticed too. And they're like, oh, well, we're, we're going to give her a little upgrade. Mm-hmm. We're going mm-hmm. to give her a little mm-hmm. upgrade. Mm-hmm. But that was my first encounter with her. And eventually she had told my mom, she knew my mom. She actually babysat my mom. Um, <laughs> fun wow, time. Full circle. Um, full circle. Um, she was like, you know what? Like, I will make sure that I don't retire while Taylor's in high school. So this was like, I was probably in fourth grade at this time. She was like, I am making sure that no matter what happens, I will get Taylor through her high school career with me as the director. And I was like, sweet, this is awesome. I just, I love her so much. She's Mm -hmm. just the pinnacle still to this day of Mm -hmm. professionalism and being a good person and being a performer sometimes both of those things don't always go together and being able to have her personify that they do and they can, and you can be someone who can be seen as doing a job that's conceited or egotistical or as theater and performance can awfully or always be seen as sometimes, um, but also be a good person hmm. too. Hmm. I could gush about her forever, but she was the first big influence where she always had my back she was always in my corner of extra hours of practice for this or rehearsing for that she was just always there so she was phenomenal oh that's so beautiful that's so beautiful (laughs) is she still performing is she still kicking butt and taking names she retired from the high school she had her own just voice studio um i don't remember how many or how active I guess the studio is now. She was Mrs. Potts in the Beauty and the Beast production at Cardinal, Cardinal Page in Bloomington. Mm -hmm. I think that was her last like big thing that she has Mm -hmm. done, but she's a grandma now. So I think she's She's got more important things to tend to. Yeah. It's like, she's got some other things going on. I need to call her. Speaking of that. Yeah. What's up? No, but, that's so cool. I feel like we, you know, when you're saying that, I'm thinking, and and your your boyfriend, for those that don't know, Alex, will know this. Like, I, I'm hearing, um, like when I think of the way that 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 is it, Jane, Janie, Janie, yeah, Janie was an influence for you. You know, I think of Sergei Sergeyev, which which Alex will know is is kind of my first ballet teacher that made me really fall in love with ballet. Like, I feel like I've continually heard his voice throughout my life, even if it was outside of ballet, because you're mentioning you know, this yeah. person was influential both in and out of performance and the way that they were able to do that is really cool. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm thinking of him in terms of like, I feel like, you know, I continually hear his voice, even when I'm not doing something that's ballet related. So in yeah. terms of those, you know, those things that she taught you, um, how did she do that? You know, you're saying she was a professional at her job and she was also nice outside of performance, but how, how did she really make you feel like you were someone? Cause again, I'm thinking of Sergey. So, and I know how he did that for me, like, you know, what were some of the small things that they, they did that other people can take from that in terms of like teaching or mentoring or different things like that? Yeah. I think that the biggest one, she started it and then it kind of continued through a lot of my my training in different things is that you are a person first Mm. and a performer second. And you can probably, you can insert whatever word for you are this second. I feel like in so many different contexts, but really learning how to take care of yourself and knowing like, okay, like I'm not going to push myself to the point of injury or just running yourself into the ground for what? 
if it's like you're a person first you need to take care of yourself and the work is always going to be there and like you know that you're still doing the work you're putting in the hours and the consistency and the time and that's great and I'm glad that I've had that training and knowledge to be a professional before I was one in or train like a professional before you are one knowledge and mentality but at the same time being like okay you you need to focus on yourself because yourself is going to be there. And now we're learning so much that that thing that you think your entire life is going to revolve around might not be the same. And you have to remember to cultivate yourself because yourself is still going to be there. That thing might not be. Mm, I'm thinking identity. So like someone who only focuses their entire identity around one specific thing, like I am a performer or I am an athlete or I am an artist. I don't know. Does that resonate with you? Yes, that that's the pandemic. That's mm-hmm. a pandemic for me. In mm-hmm. a nutshell, is finding who I was outside of I am an actor, I'm a singer, I'm a performer. Who am I outside of that? Was mm. so <laughs> many a therapy session mm. we had <laughs> about finding out who you are outside of this thing that you've spent your entire life on that you're not doing at the minute mm-hmm. or not in the capacity that you thought you were going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit, but I want to yeah. know about that. What was what was that transition like? Not just, I mean, of course, the pandemic being, you know, keeping people secluded from the world, doing different things like that. But what was that transition like for yourself that you're mentioning? Yeah, so it was one of those. I So when I had graduated from Ball State, May 2019, I knew I wanted to take about a year as like a, a gap year just to save some money to pay off some student loans. I essentially wanted to go into my adult life post-college, so to speak, with as small of a debt as possible because New York is far from inexpensive. Um, the, the most, so, ex- One of the most expensive the places most expensive to live. Places. Maybe the most, yeah. yeah. So mm. I knew that I was taking that year. So I did some community theater in Indianapolis. I got to be a haunt actor at a haunted house for the first time, which is a whole new level of performance that I had no idea about that I got to experience. And as it was getting closer to, you know, like actually finding an apartment, having my roommates solidified, all of that, March 2020 hits, pandemic happens. And it's like, okay, like maybe I'll just delay it. Like, you know, at this point it was what, oh, two weeks from now, it'll be, it'll be fine. You know, the, the beginnings of what we thought was going to be happening. Um, And it was once it kind of slowly started to be like, "Mm, we don't know what this is going to look like after we don't know what live performance is going to be. There was a while where we were like, well, like, are we even going to be able to go into a theater or the theater as we know it? How how, are we just going to have Zoom Zoom theater forever? Like, like what, like what, what is this even going to look like? No one really had the answers. Um, and as my relationship progressed with Alex, we actually reconnected during the pandemic. So we spent a lot of our reconnection time in March, April, May of 2020 and finding that for those of you who don't know Alex, he had already gone to Chicago, done some performing, ended up coming back to Indiana and thinking, mm, I don't know if this is what I want to do anymore. And so already like being with someone who's, had that already and me not even starting yet 
was an interesting mm. is is this is he right in a way or like are are your feelings the same and so Ooh, that's good. that kind of started once I got into more into my job at J Crew. when you're a manager obviously you're making some more money as a manager you have more responsibility your time is also like you have to have more of an open availability when you're a manager because you're taking care of more things you're juggling more hats and whatever that my time frame to be in rehearsal just wasn't there so for a while I knew I was like okay well this is kind of what I need to be doing I need to be making some money like in something that I already am finding that I'm good at but then that is also means sacrificing not being able to be in shows once they started to come up again probably late 2020 is when community theater started having some more things going even smaller shows um so I kind of was in this limbo well (laughs) I still kind of feel like I'm in the limbo (laughs) of I do want to be back in theater but when you have a job that doesn't allow you to have nights and weekends which are rehearsal time Mm -hmm. and show times it gets really hard and you have to think identity wise you know I I have been a form performer I've always been a performer but when you have new circumstances how how are those things fitting together has been a rough a rough go Mm -hmm. but we're still figuring it out we're Mm -hmm. still trying to find ways to keep up keep up the audition book just keep up with what's going on now with my friends who are doing all these wonderful, great things around the country too. Um, So it's been a struggle of finding Mm -hmm. identity outside of performing, Mm -hmm. which is where fitness has come into. Yeah. That's hard though. That's so tough. Um, Yeah. And, And so now new, new ways coming about in terms of figuring out how to, I don't know, portray that identity, be that identity and whatnot. But how do you how do you weigh that? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people who, um, you know, I, I mean, you you had said like Alex probably did that dance, but he had done it before he did that dance where you're saying mm-hmm. you you might not have gotten to that point where you felt like you were done doing the dance. Um, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. I did the dance right with ballet. Um, so how do you weigh where you're at now in terms of you know, you mentioned a good paying job and, you know, insurance benefits, whatever. And mm-hmm. then this other thing that has consumed my identity for the majority of my life. How do you weigh that out now? At this point, I still want to continue my career in retail that I have. But now that I know that there are some more things coming down the line that are going to be different changes, I might take that opportunity to make some other changes in my career to see if I can try to have those things back and at mm. least give it a go. And okay. I think it's one of those I haven't, I haven't gotten my go yet, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like, you know, the train, the training, the going through all the motions leading up to this thing, I haven't gotten the thing yet. Mm. It's like, I, I think I am going to have to make some hard choices in the next couple years of, okay, like, we're pushing 30 like oh girl please we are not pushing 30 we are the same age we are young 
We are good. Well, we have nothing in to worry about. Years we'll be pushing thirty. Okay, but okay. you know we're 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 getting to the point where I do I do want to be younger yeah. when I'm trying to do these things. Yes, yes, and yes. give it a fair a fair shot. So that is a reason that I have been, uh, I guess, just getting into fitness more, finding the the coaching and the social media and all of that stuff, and being able to maybe make that more mm. of a job mm. so that I do have some more flexibility in my time to mm. explore the the what ifs mm-hmm. again the what mm-hmm. ifs that used to be the hard and fast this is what we're doing that have now become what ifs that we now need to re-explore again yeah. oh that's hard because yeah. <laughs> when you don't have that flexibility piece you know, mm-hmm. being a full-time performer, professional performer, as you know, is it's something that takes all of your time. You can't just take a class here and there and feel really good on stage or for an audition or whatever that might be. Um, so it sounds like you're just, you're, you're kind of waiting for a green light or an opportunity that, mm-hmm. that maybe takes you one direction or the other. Yeah. Okay. okay. We're, doing, we're doing some groundwork now in these new, new fields, mm-hmm. I guess, of mm-hmm. seeing what can come of that. Mm-hmm. So making, making some choices over here so that maybe this thing can become more of a reality than what it has been okay. in the last three years. <laughs> so when you say that, so when you say that, are you talking about the health online coaching Yes. Uh, what did we call it? A uh, small influencer. What? Small <laughs> influencer. Micro influencer. Micro influencer. So, is when you say like putting thing, put doing things now that could lead to something maybe in the future. Are you talking more about that world, or is there yeah. still like, is there still any part of you that is like, oh, I might try to get into some community theater or something, um, or is it primarily that other? Well, it's one of those. Just with the current job that I have right now and retail in general, especially management the flexibility is just not there. Right. So knowing that you are probably going to have to step away from something that you have put a lot of time into during the pandemic and a little before that for this, for the piece that you've been missing to actually complete mm-hmm. the puzzle, which is hard because mm-hmm. it's, it's become my full-time job. It's something that I do enjoy, but there are components that, make this other thing impossible so it's it's hard trying to figure out how we can fill that void within our scope like our current situation Mm -hmm. so for you figuring out how can or what can but how can this performance uh online coaching micro influencer (laughs) fill the void of that theater aspect yeah, for the time being. Anyway, for the time yeah. being. Okay. Well, and then maybe because, and, and I would love to hear you maybe just go into a bit more about what that is right now. Um, but I know that, you know, you're constantly posting things and, and doing different stuff. So it would eventually, because it sounds like that's more of like your own business, your own business owner at that point. So you would have the flexibility to do other things. Cause I'm assuming being an online coach, that's all virtual. You can work around schedules and And then, so maybe that would then provide you the opportunity to go back. Oh, okay. I don't know why I couldn't put that piece, like that puzzle together. My bad. (laughs) That took me too long. Okay. So, so walk me into, okay. So you graduate from Ball State, you do a couple of different things after Ball State is in, Mm -hmm. is there time in between Ball State and the pandemic? 
there's like uh, eight, seven or eight months ish. Okay. Did you do some performing during that span of time before COVID hit? Yeah. So I okay. was in one, two shows at um, Footlight Musicals mm-hmm. in downtown Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the haunted house. I worked at House of Trepidation that I don't think exists anymore. I nice. think it is closed. <laughs> <laughs> the close, the closing cast of. <laughs> there you the go. There you go. What an honor. Um, and then I had just auditioned for a production of songs for a new world in columbus and like that cat that cast list didn't even get released so like that was supposed to be like the last the last go before moving to new york and it never happened Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. what what were those though what were those first professional experiences like post-graduation because you're saying you know when you were younger you had these experiences that felt very professional you mentioned bringing a professional mentality to it so you kind of already had these experiences that I'm guessing set you up for post-graduation and what those were like yeah so this is actually like I I saw a question that was around this in the outline that you sent me Mm -hmm. and I was like oh I saw it and I was like oh no should I tell him and I was like no I'm just gonna candidly say it on the podcast because (gasps) So, oh, this I, is why people come. Let's go. Bring it on. This is it. My spirit fingers I, are up. I have, I have never been paid to be in a show. I have done paid gigs, like paid singing things or little paid acting things, but I have not been paid. At, and so I have not actually been a professional. So that is the other oh. piece of, of really not having a go. Okay. Is that okay. The actual thing of you do a show, you put all the work and you do the rehearsals, you do the stuff, and then mm-hmm. you get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. That is a, that is the job circle. I, it's like, I have not completed. Okay. Oh, not completed job circle. Okay. Like the, the work of feeling professional and even being an eight-year-old and feeling like a professional in these community non-professional environments like everybody's looking at you like, oh my God, like she's, she's going to be on Broadway. She's going to be just doing this forever. Look at her. Like she knows everybody's lines and she's eight years old. Like to not fulfill that, not prophecy, maybe not prophecy, but not fulfill that has been, that's the extra, which no one would know that because everybody just assumes that how I've conducted myself leading up until this point Oh yeah, you've been getting paid to do this stuff. Like you went to school for it, you've done all the stuff. Your resume is huge. Like you've you've done a lot of stuff. But no, no, I have not actually been paid to do a production of a show. Okay. So for everyone listening, when you mentioned that, my jaw dropped for a good <laughs> minute. Um, because I too read your resume and I had you send me a little bio and I was like, oh my gosh, she has had so many awesome experiences, you know, been a professional, done this, been there, done that. And then you started telling me your story. And then I'm like, there's something here that I am not getting yet. And that's it. That's it. Oh my gosh. So that doesn't, and, and I, and I, I'm, I'm assuming I'm hypothesizing that that still does not sit well. Oh no, there's an, so there's an extra story to that as well. So we're looking at uh, December or no, I was still, I was still a haunt actor at this time. So it was like, you weren't even getting paid for that. I did get paid for that. So that's like, 
Eh. Yeah, a, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. An acting gig, but not a full like yes. production yes. show. Sure. Um, I get a call from a theater company that I had done a professional audition for in the summer, never heard back from them. This was October saying, hey, um, someone is no longer able to do Beauty and the Beast. We need a female swing that will understudy. You'll just be in the ensemble. We need you here tomorrow. And I when said, no. When was this? This, is, this was like, it would have been for end of November to end of November 2019 yeah. to like a little after Chris or no, it would have gone into the new year. So January, 2020. Wow. And I said, no, because I was like, this is going to be my last Christmas with my family. Oh my like I'm, I'm moving in June of tw- like in summer of 2020, this like, depending on all these factors, this might be my last Christmas holiday season at home. Why? Like, I can't, I can't go do that. This is my last thing. Cause you were going to so be gone I, in New York. Yeah. So I would have been gone. So I didn't know what I would get into there. If I would even be able to come home and then maybe I would end up with my parent, like my parents in my tiny apartment in New York for the next Christmas. So it was like, well, I would rather have like one last hurrah at home. And so my one professional opportunity that I have been given, I, I said, no. Mm-hmm. And, to, and then to go into pandemic for a long period of time of not doing theater, that's like the haunting is not the, maybe not the direct word, but kind of, maybe. of this haunting experience of you got a call and you said, no, you, you got the opportunity and you said, no. Ooh, so I just this, got chills. Right? <laughs> it's terrible. And I I was in like another show. I was doing The Haunted House. I was thinking about this is the last Christmas with my family. Like we never know what's going to happen. So all these things being weighed up of I can't, I can't pack up and go. Like what you want me to be there tomorrow? Like I have to quit my job, my day job too. Say no to I don't I don't not finish commitments. I'm not that kind of person. So I would have to say no to all of these people, pack up, say bye to all my friends, all my family in less than 24 hours. And I said, oh, my gosh. Yeah. How do you sit with that? (laughs) Not well. (laughs) We're not we're not friends. Me and past me (laughs) in that it's like what now it's like, what were you thinking? That was your chance. That was your shot. And you blew it. But have to give myself grace I didn't no one knew what was going to be happening like three or four months from then like we didn't know so I have learned now if there is opportunity Mm. it take it even if you're scared even if you're anxious about it take it because you don't know what kind of pandemic sized thing you can be handed to where something does not work out so take it when you get it. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I had no idea. And I don't like telling people, like people just assume. And I've kind of just been, been riding this wave of letting people assume. I was like, oh, well, you know, my, my character, my ethic, like my work ethic does speak to being a professional. 
and you conduct yourself in that way, you see yourself in that way. So I'm not going to say you're wrong because the mentality is there and the work as, as all the, the theater performance people like to say, the work is there. So I never would want to correct anyone, but at the same time, it's like, mm, you're a fraud. <laughs> like, like you feel like a fraud, well, but that, that was, time you're not, you know, that was my question. My question was, how do you define a professional? Because when you're, before you said that, before you said that, I was thinking, oh, you've been a professional since you were eight, you know, yeah. like you were telling me, you were saying that you've been preparing, you've been, you know, memorizing lines, rehearsing, doing things outside of, you know, the normal day-to-day whether that's singing lessons or, you know, whatever that might be for you, you've been doing those things all your life. So like you said, you've been conducting yourself as a professional. And when I looked at your resume, I considered you a professional, regardless of if you got paid, that just hurts my soul because I think performers are vastly, vastly underpaid in general. So that hurts to hear. But I guess that was my question was, how do you define a professional? What does that, what does that mean? I think... Like, I feel like it's just conflicting of like in my, in my heart, I know that it's what you do, how you conduct yourself, the work that you put in, the time you put in, like, are you a person that is the joy to work with or are you a diva or, you know, are you actually putting in the time and effort into the material that you're doing? Are you not in my heart? That is what a professional is and someone who sees the work that they're doing to be valuable and to be needed and all of those things. But in my head, it's, did you get money or did you not get money? That Mm -hmm. is what a professional is. And it's like, Mm -hmm. what, who, who decided this, you know, like deciding. Well, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying because it's like an exchange. I don't know in the most basic definition, I think of like an exchange of goods for service or uh, for money rather. So service, for service for money in this case. So I understand that feeling. And I'm sure there, I'm sure like similar to, you know, you graduate, when you graduate, you get a diploma, yeah. right? So there's something there. Yeah. Exactly. There's something there that in a sense validates the experience. Mm-hmm. So in this case, monetarily, that's what validates the experience of being professional. And I'm not, you know, I, I understand that. Like, yeah, I think from that perspective, it makes sense. Like that would have validated a lot of the things that you did that maybe aren't seen, aren't heard, like you're saying, in terms of this experience was worth it. My identity has been validated. Yeah. Oh, that's hard. Wow. OK. OK. Wow. Thank you for hard. sharing that. Yeah, of course. Thank you for sharing it's, that. Yeah, I think it's we're learning now that so much of the work that we do in all these different areas of life is the stuff that you don't get paid for mm-hmm, at, mm-hmm. at this, like the stuff that you're learning the most from most of the time you're not getting paid for. So I think it might, it's time for a redefinition of <laughs> professional. <laughs> I am putting it here first. And I think you defined it you know, you're saying, well, I think that the, what the differences might've been like, my head says this, my heart says this or something like that. And I think it was your heart that has a really beautiful definition of what a professional is. Um, how do you now take 
that, right? Everything you've learned, right? I, it's something I try to remind myself all the time. Everything I'm doing, whether it's recognized or not, is all for a greater purpose. Yep. Uh, it's even if it's something I, I literally just wrote this down. I have a whiteboard that I write all these random things down that come to my mind. And oh no, I wrote this in my notes. Oh, where's it at? Anyway, it, it was something along the lines of everything I'm doing right now is, is leading me to something, even if I can't see it. Yeah. So for you, because I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's still conflicting. I'm thinking of like you talking to your 2019 self and probably being really hard on that self. Yeah. And that's understandable in a lot of ways. How do you take everything you've learned, even the things that can't be seen and put them into what you're doing now? I think it's just learning that every experience that you have might be the end result and the thing that you are learning, you might not be using it for what you think you're going to use it for. Mm. In it's just like it's it's a joke that I say all the time, but it's also true. Mm -hmm. I act at my job every day. I use my degree every day, whether I am in a show or not. I am using being able to personify different emotion and communicate and take action based on feeling and learning about people and the psychology of people and all these different things that you learn that you may not think of when you're going to theater school. But those are the things that you're learning and putting that to real world application for something completely different. But at the end of the day, you're working with people and you're communicating different things. That That's what theater is. Well, that's what retail is. <laughs> and I would argue even if it doesn't feel like it, mm -hmm. you're probably more skilled at a lot of those things than say an average person who didn't have that experience or doesn't have that more vast knowledge of like you're saying, human emotion, communication ability. And I mean, I'm, I'm even thinking salesmanship, yeah. you know, you're trying to convince someone to buy something. Right. And so I, I'm, I would imagine that you would have a greater ability doing that even if it doesn't feel as good because right. of the experiences and knowledge that you have. hundred percent. So how did that lead you then to first form for people that don't know what is first form? So first form, if outside looking in baseline of what they do, they are a supplement company that also has a lifestyle app. So being able to track things like your macros and your workouts and having, if you're taking progress photos, all of those things are in one place. You have someone one-on-one -on -one most of the time that you know, so in this case, it would be me, to be your fitness pal mm. and being a motivator for you, being an accountability partner and being able to work with real people, getting real people long-term and sustainable results in health and fitness in whatever goals that they have for themselves. Um, definitely being able to work with people because everyone it's person first, like learning that I am a human first. I am a performer second, being able to meet people where they are at all of these different phases of life and all of these different things they have going on and being able to help them reach their goals for health and fitness, or even just being more mindful 
of the choices that they make day to day. It has been so fulfilling and there's a different level of performance in terms of um, communicating like knowledge about health and fitness and nutrition and all that. Like you do have to communicate that to people and using performance and being able to speak in front of people and using emotion and excitement to convey these things that otherwise could be seen as very boring and mundane and no one cares about it to have a leg up on people in a way with performance that if someone, I don't know, went to, went to school for nutrition and exercise science, and they're really good at what they do. They know their stuff. They're able to communicate the information to people, but if it's not in an emotional, exciting way, no one's going to care. It's Mm. not about how much, you know, it's how well you can convey the information, sell it in quotations, Mm -hmm. but as in like can you get somebody excited about mm-hmm. it or can you mm-hmm. get someone to listen get someone to care mm-hmm. that that's the piece that's gonna propel you forward as compared to if you know all this stuff like that's cool but if you can't communicate it in an exciting way who cares so kind of playing off of people's emotions in a positive way because of course this is all for good but using that emotional side of it to engage them to get them interested and then act in a way that maybe aligns with those positive emotions. Yeah. Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. Psychology. Okay. Yeah. Like getting people excited about these habits or healthy habits, healthy things that are kind of boring in a way, or it's just routine of, Oh, now I'm going to meal prep. And I guess I got to go to the gym and (laughs) drink my water and, you know, whatever, getting people excited about, the why of those things and the the betterment of yourself and learning about those things is in an exciting way and making it exciting and making it fun is going to get people hyped up about it and maybe actually make those better changes for themselves that they otherwise, if they didn't have someone as like a pillar of excitement and making it fun and making it fresh and exciting, otherwise they would just never do anything to better their own health and wellness because it hasn't been presented to them in a way that's enticing. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of you, you keep bringing up habits and, and lifestyle and forms of living and different things that are important to everything you're saying. And one of the things that came to my mind was how important it is when you're trying to form a new habit to have an accountability partner because yeah. of, yes, Atomic Habits. That's the book I'm thinking of. <laughs> I see some of your content sometimes. Yes. I'm like, he's read Atomic Habits. He knows oh, please. what's up. Yes, I do. I love that book. It's such an easy read too. It is. I'm almost yeah. done with it. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, but to your point, that's that's one of the biggest things James Clear talks about is telling someone else what the habit is that you want to create. So make, what, it obvious. make it obvious. So what you're saying is you act as a person, you act as a pillar for someone to make it obvious, for someone to make so that they're not on their own for this. Yeah. Okay. Someone who's been there, who is still doing it, who still continues to do it and can show you what is possible when you are sticking to a habit, creating something, even if it's not perfect, because mm-hmm. it's never going to be, it's never going to be all or nothing, a hundred percent all the time. But if you have someone that shows you, you know, some, some, when they fall off a little bit or when it's not always mm-hmm. perfect, 
but also being able to say, Hey, like I'm being accountable with you with my own things. Mm. And this is how I'm going to get back to the habits that I'm trying to build. And you're still building it. It's not solidified. It's not autopilot. You're still working to create it. So you're going to, you're going to struggle with it sometimes, but having, having someone there to help you is the, it is the difference sometimes between mm-hmm. whether you're going to reach what you want or if you're not. Yes. I love that. Having a positive support system, mm-hmm. especially on the days you don't feel like doing whatever it is you want to do. So yep. what for you, what are some of the the habits that you have found to be most beneficial to your life? Ooh, um, definitely taking time in the morning for myself. I have found like morning routine or just having a routine of anything is super therapeutic in a way. I think a lot of people see routine as, oh, you're doing this. That's so boring. Like that's so mundane. You're doing the same thing the same way over and over, but it gives you a sense of control feels like a negative word to be used in this way, but like you are controlling how you are proceeding in a way of, you know, how this is going to go. It gives you your alone time, your, I know that I'm going to do this. I'm going to read, I'd read 10 pages a day. I'm on 75 hard right now, which is. Yeah. What is that? I've I've seen you post about that. Yeah. Not to to pull you away from what you're saying. Sorry. Yeah. um, But I was going to say a lot of the habits that I have that have really started to shape me are 75 hard Mm. tasks. So they kind of go together. So 75 hard is a mental toughness challenge or mental like resiliency challenge exercise exercise of you have specific tasks that you were to complete without compromise every single day for 75 days. And it's essentially showing you that if you've, well, I'll only speak from my experience. So it is showing me that if I, someone who says I do what I say I'm going to do, and if I've committed to something, I'm going to commit to it hundred percent. I'm not going to waver from what I've said I was going to do. And it's doing those things every single day, regardless of what's happening, regardless of how you feel about it. It's going to get done every day, whether you like it or not. However, it gets done might be different. Like example, one of the one of the tasks is an outdoor 45 minute workout workout is what? Yeah. So part of, part of the, part of the tasks, there are two 45 minute workouts. One has to be outside regardless of time of year, regardless of when you do it, one has to be outside workout is up to you. So workout can be yoga workout can be a walk workout can be a traditional go to the gym doesn't matter what it is, but it's putting in 90 minutes a day for you with doesn't, if it's 2am and you haven't gone to sleep yet, you have from when you wake up to when you go to bed. So if 2am you're outside in your neighborhood on a walk, if that, if that's when you could get it in, that's when you're getting it in. And it's, it's one of those, like, if you're creating, if you're creating your habits of you're trying to make sure it, it might not be 45 minutes, it, 75 hard is kind of extreme. I will a hundred percent every day, 90 minutes every day of working out. Ooh. Yep. Ooh. Okay. But again, working out is 
can be relative or maybe sure like most of mine is an outdoor walk and then either depending on the day like going to the gym crossfit another walk stretching and Mm -hmm. yoga Mm -hmm. something it's not running yourself into the ground for sure there are people that okay that's a good point that's a good point i guess i was thinking of like two lifts two lift workouts a day okay that makes sense if you really wanted to you could go off and do that but show even if it was like two minutes of doing something creating the habit of showing up every day even for two minutes to do whatever sit down and you know write a page of a book or read or whatever it is showing up every day regardless of the weather how you feel what's going on if the kids have this if you got in a fight with your boyfriend or whatever you're still showing up and at the end of the chat of 75 days you are essentially you've you've weeded out all of the excuses you've weeded out all of the possible well you know this so i guess i'm not going to do this and then that turns into a week two weeks a month of not doing whatever and that you're able to essentially do whatever you want Mm -hmm. and you will be successful because you've learned how to put in time and effort and energy into these things that can transfer into whatever you want taylor yes by every sense of the word you are a professional i don't care what follows professional professional whatever you want to call it you are a professional. Well, thank you. That is one of the most difficult things for, I believe, probably any human to grasp. Everything you just said, because yeah. it's transferable into anything you do. I think that was consistency. I think that was one of the hardest things for me leaving ballet. I was like, how can I put everything that I used to put into ballet into something different? Because I still have that same effort. I still have that same consistency. So what can I put it in? And that sounds like what you're doing as well. Yeah, it's become the 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 coaching, the I run my Facebook community, the party people, which is essentially just throwing in health, fitness, macro tips, motivation, tough love every single day. I so I have a post group. every day about something. So it's whether showing up on my Instagram story to talk about my crappy workout if I had one like if it was terrible I'm still drinking my little post-workout I'm talking about how my workout went even if it was bad because I'm someone who shows up Mm. and I read 10 pages of atomic habits and I drink my gallon of water every day and I get my booty outside for a walk because that's what we do that is Mm. the things that we're doing we're being consistent we're we're not giving ourselves the option to quit you have me ready to run through a wall. I'm ready to run through a wall for you. I need to get on this Facebook group, but I have a question. Yeah. How do you stay motivated on the days you don't want to do something? Motivation doesn't exist. That it's not real because so when people, I, I talk about this in my Facebook group and to my one-on-one people all the time of people think that, okay, I went to Walmart and I got this poster of this little dog that says, 
you go do it today. And I'm going to hang it in my office and I'm going <laughs> to look at it and I'm going to see that poster and, and it says, feel good. go do it today. Yeah. And then I'm going to see it. And it's that outside stimulus that's going to help me say, hey, yeah, I'm going to go do it today. And then I'm going to be motivated because I saw that little doggy poster. And then I'm going to go do whatever it is that I need to do. And that's not how that works <laughs> because motivation comes from action, not from waiting to be motivated to do the action. So you are technically, if you just get in motion and get moving toward the thi- whatever thing that you want to be motivated to do, the act of doing it is going to continue to motivate you. You are your own motivation and doing the thing consistently over and over showing up whether you want to or not is going to motivate you because you can get into the comparison game real fast and it could be more in a negative way of oh okay like someone's telling me like trying to motivate me to do this thing okay I guess I'll do it for them or they want me to do it okay I guess I gotta do it and then it, it can cause some other problems for yourself when in reality, the only person that can motivate you is you. Mm. You do it, you starting, taking the one step, doing the one tiny thing to get to, oh, well, I want to be someone, I want to be a marathon runner. Cool. Put your shoes on first. Get into the habit of tying your running shoes. That That is the first thing you got to do before we're running 24 miles. Like, you you, you got to put, <laughs> put your shoes up first. Yeah, you can't get you very far without those. I mean, you could, but it would hurt. It's like, good luck. Good luck. Mm-hmm. But consistently showing up and doing those small things is what's going to motivate you to keep reaching towards the bigger things. Mm. I'm buying whatever you're selling. You didn't even sell me anything, but whatever you want, like, I'm, selling, I'm, but hey. I'm buying, I'm buying. <laughs> that was, in, that's it, I couldn't have said that better. That was so incredibly well put. And because of time, I want to keep going. What I would, I would argue that your positive frame of mind is something that is so impactful in your ability to create these awesome habits and to be disciplined. I'm, I'm consistently thinking discipline over time is consistency. So how do you then cultivate that positive mindset that puts you in a place to be able to do these things? It's taken a lot of work on myself. I think some people think that if they just barrel through and like, just keep their focus, like it's good to have goals and it's good to stay focused on the things that are pushing you towards where you want to be. But if you're not, if you're not being more introspective and learning, like, how are those things affecting you? How are you using those things in a positive way? internally and focusing on yourself, whether that's meditation, journaling, just walking outside and thinking about yourself, that that would be the missing piece mm-hmm. if you didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And again, pandemic, panorama, ponderosa, that helped, I think, a lot of people realize that that introspective piece is not there Mm -hmm. and we've been so go 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 just focus on whatever the thing we just got to get through next week we just got to get through today this meeting this whatever that we haven't focused on ourselves 
So then the pandemic did in a way positively affect taking time for yourself and having to sit in your house and find things that bring you joy and things to spend your time doing. And some of that I would hope would be a positive piece for yourself and being able to have that has been huge. What are some of those practices that you use to cultivate introspection? Well, it's been the gym as much as, you know, I feel like a lot of different healthy habits and quotations um, serve multiple purposes, like the gym or even walking has been therapy mm-hmm. for or a, a form of therapy for a lot of people, just being able to be, have, even if it's music, not podcast, silence, walking outside has been huge. Like I would, I would be walking around and just thinking about, you know, who I am and like who I want to be and what are things that that what is that ideal version of myself what does that person do like visualization Hmm. I guess it's more of the practice of like okay like what what does her morning look like what what is she doing like is if she's going to coffee going to lunch is she holding the door open for somebody like like how how are you how do you feel about yourself is important. How do you make others feel about themselves is also huge. Mm. And just, just those little visual things of, okay, like what is, what does this day look like? What is, what, what does my environment look like? What do I want it to look like in visualizing those things while walking is that's like been an everyday occurrence for, Mm -hmm. I don't know, four months or so. (laughs) That's so powerful. I don't think people give enough credit to, I don't know, I'm thinking of like you're saying, if I'm driving and I'm not listening to anything, I it's not a zone. I won't zone out because I'm still aware of driving. Mm-hmm. But your mind goes to places when focused on like what you're saying, who you want to be or what you want to do. And sometimes yeah. it gives you a vision you didn't know you have. So yeah putting in that time, that introspection, then maybe can show you the things you don't understand. Like for you or for me, maybe trying to figure out why am I here? You know, why didn't this opportunity work out? What's it leading me to? And if you don't take the time for yourself, you're never going to find it. No, you're going to be too focused on other stuff and it's going to get in the way and you might never have closure is not the word for it, but kind of thinking through experiences or future experiences and putting together pieces that you might not otherwise have put together because you've been too focused on all the stuff, all the external stuff that you need to do, get to do, want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So actually having the time to put in on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I made a little story on one of my walks for 75 hard of like a revelation of mm. the reason that people are like shy away from 75 hard or as soon as they see, oh, I can't have any alcohol or treats or whatever for 75 days. Nah, like I'm not, I'm not doing that. But if you put, if you take that part away, like the 75 hard is a lot of time with yourself because there's a lot of stuff you have to do. And a lot of the stuff is by yourself. Mm-hmm. 
just mm-hmm. the, the the working out and the reading and taking a progress photo of yourself every day and like being able to think and look and see yourself all day every day is scary i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot of people well then it's like you're which this could be even more impactful is you're no one's no someone else might be holding you accountable but you're holding yourself accountable so if you fail yourself that means more than if you feel like you failed someone else yeah so the other Ooh. piece of 75 hard is so all of you you have all these tasks if you fail to do any of the tasks even if it's a cup of water from away from a gallon you start over on day one. Oh my you could be on day 74 and forget to read your book and you are starting over it's all on the honor system but in theory well then you're only you're only lying to yourself and what good is that yep i mean that's i feel like that would be a telltale as to what the problem is yep what day are you on 22 okay okay wow this is really incredible that is such yeah, a cool thing it's something i told myself i would never do and here we are <laughs> so. wow wow does it involve self-care does it involve i mean a lot of these things that you're saying working out reading i would argue are self-care habits but is there anything specifically when i say self-care that resonates with you um i mean i think it's it's is this word tailorable yeah yeah tailorable to like being more self-care yeah oriented like you like your workouts could literally be a yoga session and an outdoor walk every single day say it all kind of sounds like self-care yeah like you could you could get away with like doing you could do like walking meditation Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. i try to do sometimes it's just very hard for 45 minutes to be alone with your thoughts and nothing else i've I've tried it a couple times but it's it is difficult but i think there are 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 self-care pieces that if you're, if you're being smart about doing the program, you, you can put them in there and these different tasks can serve multiple Mm -hmm. purposes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of the things you're saying, I'm asked, as I was asking the question, I was like, actually a lot of that sounds like it could be self-care just depending on maybe how you interpret it. Um, Yeah. That's pretty incredible. How can we support you? How can anyone listening support you or join you or be mentored by you or any of that? I was going to say on my Instagram, um, Tay-Tay, T-A-Y-Y, T-A-Y-Y, we will eventually change that. <laughs> <laughs> I like but cool. in, <laughs> in my link tree, um, I have a couple links. One is to join the party, mm. which is to join my Facebook group. I just randomly, when I was talking on my story, would say like, what's up party people? Because mm. party people is inclusive and it's just it's fun. It's fun. It's a party. I want to have that energy. Like the the name of what I am trying to do match the energy that I'm giving. So party people feels, it feels right. Mm -hmm. So joining the party would be joining my Facebook group community where I post health, fitness, wellness content every single day. Um, and then for a one-on-one link to work inside of the first form app with me, um, I think it is under the little link, it says, find your version because my, um, my 
my name on Instagram has my actual name, but it also has Taylor's version in parentheses. Any uh, Taylor Swift fans out there will know what that is. <laughs> um, finding your version of health and fitness and wellness and what that looks like for you. I would love to explore that one-on-one with you if you so choose. Mm-hmm. So you can click the come find your version tab on mm-hmm. my link tree. Cool, cool, cool. So everyone head over to Tay Tay with two Y's in both Tays. I love that. Very cool. Um, all right, coming down the stretch. These are our quick hitters. Um, I know one of the questions might not be so quick and that is absolutely okay. Uh, I love it. All right. So my first quick hitter, this is called the Fab Five. My first quick hitter of the Fab Five is what is a quote that you live by? Ooh. Um, I would say... I had two. One was talking about the difference between a professional and an amateur is consistency. But I feel like we just really like hit that one hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two is something that's kind of been like anxiety in a negative way turned anxiety in a positive way a little bit of in theater. Early is on time. On time is late and Mm. late is fired, which is very harsh. And that is a harsh statement, but it's something in theater that they really drill. Like you early is on time, be early, get yourself ready for what you need to do so that when it's time, you're ready to go. And a lot of it was, I think I was a freshman in college when I first heard that. And it was in a lecture that um, it essentially was saying, if you are someone who is habitually late and like you're one of those like people change the time because they know that you're going to be late so then they'll tell you a different time so that you'll show up on time that that says that you think that your time is more valuable than anyone else's and that has stuck with me forever and it's one of those like I have anxiety so the what I thought was oh I'm just always I'm always prepared I'm always on time like I can't be late to something is actually like a high functioning anxiety thing where it's like well no like oh you you're you don't have anxiety you just you're just on time to stuff but it ended up serving me very well in the rest of life because being early is cool mm-hmm. be early to stuff mm-hmm. I don't know if this is too personal. Do you have diagnosed anxiety? I do not. Okay. I just, uh, I mean, I, I know that I do. Mm-hmm. I've read, read enough behaviors to mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. that I do, but I'm not, not taking any medication or anything like mm-hmm. that. I've just coped myself. Well, that's fair. Anxiety. I think of always as like a spectrum you know, yeah. we all have it in some form. Uh, if it's harmful and intrusive, then of course it's, um, you know, more difficult to deal with and probably more diagnosable. Um, but, but yeah, so anyway, sorry, I was just curious. Um, anyway, stay ready. So you ain't got to get ready. That's what I took from that. I love it. Yep. Yep. I love that. Okay. My second question is, and I'm going to, I'm going to mold this a little bit differently than I normally do. What would you say to young Taylor, 2019 Taylor, what would you say to her as someone who is, as you gave up, how do I, how do I say this? 
you know, I, I hear that you're frustrated maybe with 2019 Taylor. So what would you say to her? How about that? I would say it's okay to shift. Like you're still going to t- like all, all the stuff that you have learned that you have done, you've experienced is not for nothing. You might just be using it in a different way and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's powerful. I like yeah. that. That's powerful. Okay. Okay to shift. It is. It's hard, but it is. And eventually, hopefully you see the reason why you did. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, What is your favorite book or podcast? Mm, Book right now. Uh, Jeanette McCurdy's I'm Glad My Mom Died. Oh, okay. Powerful title. It's it's Jeanette McCurdy is from iCarly. I thought that name sounded familiar. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like it. It's a wild. It is such a beautifully sad but also hilarious memoir of her dealing with the pain and trauma that her own mom put her through essentially she talks about it very openly and I don't I want to give enough for context but not enough to spoil it if anyone Mm -hmm. wants Mm -hmm. to read it Mm -hmm. um she never really wanted to act her mom made her and then because she, she it was kind of a f- fulfilling mom's dream that she didn't get to have. And a lot of that went down a path of a lot of traumatic and bad behaviors for herself that she had to carry through life. And then now that her mom has passed, trying to reconcile who she is without her mom and trying to find like, oh, is performance in any capacity, even something that I want to do, or was I only doing it for her? Can I have my own like identity within this? If she's no longer here, it's, she pulls out a lot of stops and you will feel a little uncomfortable. If you watched any of the stuff that she's in on Nickelodeon, she does talk about like the creator of the show and there's some drama with that she just throws it out there and if you know enough of her work and stuff that she's done you know immediately everything she's talking about so i'm glad my mom died Jeanette mm. McCurdy. i'm gonna have to check that out wow that's i i'm hesitant to say that's really cool but it's like, it's, uh, like, i mean you know what i mean that experience turned into something productive mm. Mm. okay all right cool thank you for the suggestion yeah. Um, if you could host five dinner guests, dead or alive, who would they be? Ooh. Um, Taylor Tomlinson. Okay. <laughs> I'm wearing her tour sweatshirt. She's I a comedian. That. I peeped that. Yeah. Uh, she released her comedy special, Quarter Life Crisis, on Netflix, mm. like right at the pandemic. I love stand up comedy. So to have someone similar to my age, have a lot of different or a lot of the same experiences as me talking about it on stage is uh, Taylor Thompson. Whitney Cummings is another comedian. Her podcast, Good For You, would be probably my one of my top podcast suggestions. Um, who else? Mm, Dan Levy. Okay. From Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just I've listened to him on different podcasts and things. And while he's hilarious as David on Schitt's Creek, I think he has a lot of 
a lot of insight into mm-hmm. performance mm-hmm. and I don't know, introspection and being able to find things in yourself and how you can bring them to life in a different character mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. fun acting stuff. That's cool. Um, mm, probably Judy Garland. Mm. I love the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. I love like Wizard of Oz. Wicked is one of my favorite musicals. Oh, it's so good. As, as cliche as that is um well let's see that was what for mm. yeah one more mm. probably adina menzel oh it was it's so funny because you said wicked and i was thinking oh adina menzel is a queen <laughs> yeah like the first show i saw on broadway and just yep. the green queen yep mm-hmm. i've seen her too it's fabulous yeah. wow that is one hell of a table i like that table i might have to pull Wait. up a side seat to that table <laughs> I like it. All right. Before I get to my final question, I want to thank you so, so very much. You've shared so many things that, you know, <laughs> you and I have talked and we've hung out. I yeah. didn't know a lot of this stuff. I didn't well, know some of these things. Glad to, glad to throw some, yeah. some stories in here. Yes. So thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable because like you said, some of those things that you had let people maybe just like live with the idea of what that looked like for you. Mm-hmm. it takes a lot to be able to open up about something that you've been holding on for so long and yeah. to an audience, not just between one person. So yeah. I thank you so very much for doing that because I think that's so, so powerful to so many people who are probably holding on to something similar and are afraid mm-hmm. to let go of it for whatever reason. Um, I just think between that and the positive energy that you give off and everything that you've shared. I thank you so much. This has been one of my favorite interviews. Thank you. You. Thank you. Um, Okay. My final question on the mental game and of the fab five is who would you want to hear next on the show? And before you answer, it has to be someone that you can help me get on the show. Mm. Mm, See, well, the cop out answer is Mr. Alex Ray. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) yeah it is a cop out answer i I hear you give me a give me another one but it's a good one though i would definitely i I need to do that yeah (laughs) first my people any first form people any performance people anyone that's been through some life stuff life stuff um or maybe just had a beautiful life and nothing went wrong and that's awesome too i don't know someone um so a a acquaintance friend of mine from ball state her name is emma rund she is a playwright and she's actually getting ready to bring her one woman show to carmel oh wow um, and of course I'm going to be gone, so I can't even see it, but she is a one, one woman show, um, about her brother. Um, it's called, I think it's my big brother fights monsters. Mm. I think it's the title. Um, I don't know. I just saw her, um, her Instagram story pop up saying, Hey, I'm bringing the show to Carmel soon. Cool. 
There you go. Okay. I'm here for it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I, I appreciate both of those, especially I know you, you said Alex and I, I'm already thinking of like, wow. Yeah. He's been through a lot of stuff too. So, Mm -hmm. okay. I love it. Thank you so much for both of those. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Taylor, thank you again so much for your time. I know how valuable your time is. And especially because we're talking about trying to do all of these amazing things in one day and we only have so much time. So I really appreciate you being willing to spend some here and share your story with everybody. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Mental Game. If you made it this far, I want you to know how much I appreciate you listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and like, subscribe, leave a review. And over on social media, let me know what you think. Let me know what you thought of the episode, if there's anything in particular you want to hear, if there's anyone you want to hear from. Uh, If not, then tune in to next episode. Thank you so much.